This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, movie lovers, back for another Anatomy of Movie here on Popcorn Talk. Today, we dissect Avengers Infinity War, so let the war begin. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to one of the biggest cinematic events in cinematic history. <laughs> and the biggest, maybe the least, cinematic thing to happen on YouTube, us. <laughs> anyway, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. First, I've seen a lot of YouTube. I think that we're maybe like second from the bottom. There's one thing less cinematic than us. I see. That is the voice of Christian Blatt joining us today over from... Marvel TV Weekly over on AfterBuzz TV. That's right. Sundays, 10 p.m. Pacific. Find us. And we have Dimitri Panos joining us, as May always. May the fourth be with you. Wrong movie. How's it going? Hey, you know, same company. <laughs> That's <laughs> Sorry. True. Same Every company. Every movie will be from now on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's scary. And I'm Phil Svitek. Missing in action, just like Hawkeye, is Marissa Serafini. Uh, overall, a couple of things administratively to get out of the way. First off, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. If you're joining us for the very first time, welcome to the show. We hope you appreciate this, uh, especially since this is a big movie. I imagine a lot of you guys are just joining simply for the fact that it's a Marvel movie. It is Avengers. But, hey, if you like what we do, we do this for a lot of movies, Marvel movies included, Star Wars included. But, hey, some of the smaller ones as well. So continue check back in. You know, hopefully you like what you see. That said, if you're rejoining us, well, welcome back. We appreciate you as well. It is going to be spoiler-filled. I'm sure that's the first thing on everyone's mind. Is this a spoiler-free review? Well, at this point, it's been out for a week, which is, in Avengers term, a two decades. So <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie five times at this point, I don't, I'm not sure what you're doing with your life. Uh, anyway, so it is spoiler-filled. And lastly, you can follow along with our rundown. It has all the information that we're going to try to get to, but may not always pluck directly. Nonetheless, we'll talk about the development, the writing, the story, and, of course, the visual effects. And last but not least, the box office and where this is all headed. Without further ado, what were your guys' overall thoughts? Christian, you're new to the panel. Kick us off. Well, I think it's an incredibly complex thing to do to have this many characters. You know, For those of us that have worked on productions before, your first thought is you look at it and you go like, well, how do they even do a call sheet for this? Isn't everybody the number one on the call sheet? And, you you know, you're taking... It's funny because this is less an Avengers movie to me than really a Guardians of the Galaxy movie that the Avengers happen to be in, and I'm not complaining. It's got everybody in it, and that's so hard to make that work and feel like you serve everyone in the story. And I think that we get just as much time as we need from pretty much everybody who's actually in it. Sorry, Hawkeye. Sorry, Ant-Man. But, you know, he's got his own movie in July. And I thought that, uh, you know, it's great because you can only tell a story like this when you basically had a preamble for about a decade. You know, the previous, what, 17, 18 movies kind of built to this. You can't jump right to this movie, DC. You know, you have to actually, ha you have to sort of have us all care about, at least to some extent, the characters in it. And uh, it takes a villain like Thanos to kind of get everybody together. So uh, 
I think it was great. I don't know that it's my favorite Marvel movie. It might not be the most rewatchable Mar- Marvel movie because it's exhausting. But uh, I saw it twice, so I'm sorry. I haven't seen it five times. But uh, I, I uh, really enjoyed it. Fair enough, Dimitri. Well, listen, it's it's a mad, 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 mad superhero movie is, is what it is, and I, and I actually think it's the most ambitious superhero movie uh, due to its wideness and scope and everything you were saying. Uh, to me, it's a credit to the Russo brothers, to their second unit um, crew, and to editing, because to me it was crazy as to how they kept track of all these moving pieces. I mean, that writer's room or production office had to be post-it notes like, it's a walk-in going, wait, where are we today? We're over what? What planet? Oh, shit. I thought we were, okay. Everybody change sets. I mean, it must have been insane. And considering that they filmed this uh, concurrently, like Back to the Future 2 and 3, you know, we, we're not done seeing it. They are still putting things together. Um, so to me, that's just an amazing feat and to have it be understandable to because you, you knew where you were from a geographical sense in the universe and you were able to follow the characters fairly easily um you know but this is a movie that you know but it's not without its flaws you know as 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 a crazy undertaking as this is and as ambitious and as good looking as it is and you said it's exhausting I mean the movie's two and a half hours I thought the pacing was great I mean it didn't it didn't drag for me for two and a half hour movie however you know going from least to to biggest I have like three I guess issues number one it's not a self-contained movie and to your point I think it's amazing that Marvel it's been a decade. It has been 10 years since Iron Man first graced us with his presence on the big silver screen. And it was such a crapshoot that it was going to be as successful as it is, as it was, to launch this entire MCU. So, But I think we're at a point in time where it can be said this may have been the first movie for some people This might have been their entrance into the MCU because we've been out for so long now. And I think it is so reliant, like they have done such an amazing job in weaving this thread of continuity from movie to movie to movie that if you're not familiar with some of the other movies and you're going into this one, there are going to be situations that you're not understanding. There are definitely going to be jokes that you just don't get. If you didn't see... Thor Ragnarok, there's certain things you're not going to understand as to what the hell's going on here. And 17, 18 movies, is, unlike Star Wars, where it's basically right now up to what, what, eight, eight movies, right? The Skywalker saga. Three good ones. This is, a, this, is a lot, this is a lot of movies to try to catch up on. And again, if you're mid-teens, and let's just say because this movie's so big... It always brings in new people. Like, you can't honestly say that this is the first movie, the intro, to somebody's Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that was your first one. That's the first okay. <laughs> but, but And then my other one was, what's up with the Hulk? Okay. Like, there was nothing in this movie. Like, up until now, up until Thor Ragnarok, it was Hulk. You know, Bruce Banner gets mad, turns into the Hulk. I have, the- I, 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 I have some theories. I have theories. So yeah, but uh, we'll, let's t- we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. talk. But that's but theories are theories. There was nothing that was explained in the movie as to 
what the hell's going on here? Well, so no, I have, I have evidence from the movie, so we'll okay. talk. I can't wait to so, talk. Uh, but my biggest problem was the false stakes that this movie presented. And this movie had a lot of, uh, dare I say it was overkill. Fake, fake stakes? Fake stakes. Fake stakes. And there were big fake stakes. Um, you know, and in, in, in part, it's because this, this universe is so huge. And in part, it's Marvel and Disney's fault. Because when you come up with a Spider-Man Homecoming, well, that's Sony. Or if you come up with uh, Black Panther, which is the largest Marvel movie ever, and say, oh, well, we've signed these people on for three more movies. Uh, you, you know that he's going to be in the sequel. You know that, you know that Spider-Man Homecoming 2 is going to be right around the corner at some point. You know that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 isn't going to just be called Guardian of the Galaxy Rocket. Like, so all these deaths that happened, and they were happening a lot, a lot of them just like... Uh, I was like going, okay, oh, bye, Spider-Man. See you in Homecoming 2. Oh, see you later, Doctor Strange. You're only huge. Oh, you're, okay, we'll see you in your sequel, too. We'll talk about that, too. That, to me, is, is, is an emotional thing. Now, how it gets tied up in our second part, I'm sure there will be emotional stakes. I'm sure there will be, quote-unquote, deaths that people don't come back from. Uh, so, But that was sort of an issue for me. And, uh, you know, but ultimately, the sum of its parts did make up a whole. And for two and a half hours, it was a it was very good popcorn film to sit and watch. Um, so I had a I similar reaction to the stakes. I think they overplayed their hand. When you killed a lot of the characters, you were like, oh, man, this is pretty dark. But Black Panther and Spider-Man, you're like, well, that's a billion dollars worth of box office in those two characters. So clearly, and you also don't own Spider-Man, as you pointed out. Right. Sony's not going to let you kill him. So <laughs> that, so before that, you know, when you're like, okay, well, Falcon could sure die, you know, Mantis, you know, a lot of people could have died. And even the Guardians of the Galaxy, you're like, well, there could be a different team. But when you killed those two, you're like, oh, okay, so everything's going to get undone. All right, cool. Uh, that being said, I still got a little emotional watching Peter Parker die, even though I knew that there were no stakes by that point. I don't, I don't ever want to see Spider-Man die. Uh, and then the <laughs> one does. other point you Who had, does. you mentioned Star Wars. I felt going into this movie, and I feel like I, I'm right, that I said that this was going to be their Empire Strikes Back because it is the movie that doesn't end. People love Empire Strikes Back. Happy uh, May the Fourth be with you. I'm a Return of the Jedi guy. You know why? Because it has an ending. Empire Strikes Back is a great movie. I'm not trying to take away from it, but it doesn't end. And you had three years to wait for what actually happened, so it's such a relief. This, we only have a year, and I think there'll be a lot of relief. We'll be very glad when we see what happened. Uh, but, you know, the chips are down as low as they can get when, you know, half of, not just humanity, half of the universe is gone. So uh, I thought it was an interesting comparison. But uh, I still think it was great. But, yeah, especially towards the end, you're like, all right, I feel a little, uh, feel a little cheated. Well, yeah, here's... I just felt a little cheated. And when Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, you guys really that's don't want my overall thoughts. I do. Right? Oh, oh, we got time. Actually, <laughs> no, actually, I do. This show's three Always. hours, right? It's, as, long, it's as long as the movie. <laughs> um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll say real quick. Right, I'll summarize. It. I think based on I, I, I see the flaws, but uh, I've done enough research where, like, you know, you kind of have to look for it, and I get that it's not as obvious, um, you know, on the first viewings, but. Uh, there's definitely evidence of a lot of it throughout that that can do it. Um, the more interesting part to me was the fact that this was the first Avengers where they're not really together. Christian made a joke off air. I'm going to give him credit. I don't. I think, think, I, I think this is fake news. But go ahead. 
some assembly required as far as the Avengers. No, you always, did say that. I did say but that. You take I just thought, it was, a, I thought it was a bad joke. Um, it was a bad joke. Because they always say Avengers assemble, and I was, and you were like, well, they don't really assemble. I'm like, well, you know, some assembly required. Yeah. yeah. So. so it was interesting that they, they had the common goal, but at no point did they really come together. And I, uh, obviously, as far as the writing, we can talk about the, the deliberateness of that. But overall, you know, I do appreciate it. And I think they are sort of rewriting the rules of these things. One of my worries was, you know, I, luckily I had seen, I can't say all the movies, but pretty much I would say 90 to 95% of all the movies. Because I haven't seen like the Hulk and things like that. But if there was anything to skip, it's that. Yeah. So well done. Nonetheless, you know, the, the worry went away pretty quickly because I remember. You know, I can summarize what overall happened in each of those movies, and so the fact that that's all that was act- required in the viewing of this, I appreciated. You know, it it, uh, it made it pretty simplistic, and I do think where television is such a big thing and, and and becoming a bigger entity, and and people are enjoying that in terms of serialized episodes. I, I like this idea for movies as well. I, I do too, except there's so many out there. Like if you you lost. Lost is not you can't pick it up. It's it's not a standalone. You have to watch episodes within that show Lost within the whole. You can't grab an episode out really and then like especially in the middle of this thing. And this one sort of started to have that feeling. Like not as a person who's seen all of these movies and have viewed them, but if this is your introduction, like 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 many people may not like 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 Star Wars. If if it's your first introduction, you can follow that along you just pretty read, simply. You read the crawl at the beginning. Well, sh- sure, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of introductions, why don't we kick it off in this way? Right. Yeah. The, the introduction we get to this movie is post Thor Ragnarok. Now, my thing of it is in doing this movie and, and kind of the, t- the way the timeline works. That movie, in essence, the stakes of that movie of saving Asgard and Asgardians. Goes out the window because they're all killed, pretty much. Right. Yes. So when you look at it like that, you just spent a fun movie, and then boom, it's all for naught. Right. And, and I don't know, maybe you guys don't view it in that way. So I hadn't thought do, of that way. But it's you know, the lesson there is don't try. Just, you should have let everybody die to begin with. You gave them false hope. You know, Thor and Loki should have uh, gone off, uh, you know, by themselves. But I, I, I didn't even think of it, but you're right. So now if you're ever to rewatch Thor Ragnarok, you're like... Yeah, but, you know, it kind of gets undone by this other movie, which I think when they made Thor Ragnarok, they weren't expecting, like, all of Asgard to be killed, basically. So uh, that's the problem when you have your interconnected universe, you know? Yeah, I mean, Dimitri, what are your thoughts on it? Is that a problem, or does that not take away Well, I'm not entirely sure that they're all dead. Like, we didn't see Valkyrie, and I'm not entirely sure. That's true. Like, like she's dead. Like, I'm not convinced. I think there were some survivors on that ship. Like so, I don't think it was well, like a complete. It, the, it's, the, the best case scenario is that half of them are dead because that's what Thanos does. I don't think that's actually what happened, but best case scenario, half of them are dead. Best, yeah. best case. Yeah. Worst case, it's it's like blowing up Vulcan. Like you've got you know a handful left, and they're you know they're gonna have to try to survive. And again, my question was, where's Valkyrie? And people were like, oh, she's dead. I go, I didn't see her dead. I think they she, got a movie she, planned she, for her. So yeah, I'm pretty sure she's I mean, not like dead. A, yeah. it, it was. One, and and if those people who were left to survive, uh, you know, and the you know whether it be uh, Loki, Thor, I mean, some people lived, so I don't think they're all completely wiped out. It just sucks to be from 
from um, Asgard. Asgard. They really well, let me, let me it's like so can't get a break. <laughs> so let, let's cut to the uh, complete opposite, right? I asked you about the beginning. Let's go straight to the end, and then we'll continue to weaving back and forth. Mm-hmm. As far as the ending, an argument that I heard, and I, I I forget who said it, so I can't take credit for it. And I wish I knew, but it was like over Twitter or over something else. Uh, but the the argument that in comics characters die and so forth all the time, and so knowing that they're going to come back is irrelevant. What matters is how their death is going to shape them, and the fact that they potentially could know that yes, they they died and came back, and how not only does it affect the vendors that live, but also them as now an entity that does come back. Does that help the argument, or are you like, eh, doesn't really matter to me? Well, I think when you're dealing with superheroes in comic books, yes, very often you have characters who die and come back. And it's so anybody who has the comic book background comes into this won't be surprised to see everybody uh, live again. But at the same time, you're right. These characters, we've seen them die, and that's not necessarily going to get undone. And so they'll have the experience of like, oh, you know, there was that period of time where I was dead or in limbo or whatever might have possibly happened to them. Uh, so I think you're right, though. I mean, you referenced Vulcan, you know, uh, in the original Star Trek II, Mr. Spock dies at the end. The fact that he dies and then is reborn shapes the character for at least the next couple of movies. It's, it's actually very relevant. So you can do a lot with it. I don't know if they're going to take the time for that kind of character building, but some of these characters who died could really be, you know, completely different when they come back because they're changed by dying. It, it, yeah, I think the potential's there, but I'll, that the, the reset button or the reboot button in comics is something that also pisses off comic book readers. It's like, oh, good God, how many origin stories do I have to go through yet again? For a character you killed off, and now you're bringing them back, and it's a, you know, it's the same but different. And in this case, I'm not entirely sure because there's this whole timey wimey thing going on that Thanos even used. I mean, he used it so that he could survive yeah. the fight. So he didn't come back any change. So once you get this time thing uh, under control, you can bring people back, and they won't even know that they died. Uh, so I'm not sure it's going to affect like some of these people. You know, there are again, Loki could actually be, you know, a real death for the Gamora. point in the movie he died. I yeah. think that he is probably dead, and I think Heimdall's dead because Idris Elba is expensive, and that was just a good moment to kill him. But uh, Loki, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still alive because they love him so much. But he Same died enough. at the beginning of the movie, so right. you're like, all right, that's not that point where everybody disintegrated. Um, Gamora, I I would be stunned if she was dead because Zoe Saldana is a big star. She is, but she's also tied up with Avatar for the next 50 years. So I could understand (laughs) leaving, you know, that that, that, having a schedule to do another Guardians. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if she came back. Wouldn't surprise me because that too. So the rest of the Guardians get back together without, without Gamora and that's actual stakes. That it's actual that's where a death affects not just Quill and Star Lord, but the crew. Um, but if she were to come back, I'd be uh, okay. My curiosity stems, and I, I'm not going to theorize. I'm not going to say what is needed in the next movie, but I'm curious to know how they number one how they do the reset button and how, how they do this reset. And how are they going to do it where I'm not going to feel cheated? Like, 
And being that it's Marvel, I am going to trust in the Marvel machine that they will do it in a clever way. Because thus far, this this universe, you mentioned DC. When you look at what the hell they did in in in, in their their Justice League compared to I mean this it's just it's night and day, right? Yes, there are certain Marvel movies that I like more than others, but I can't really point to one movie and go, that movie I'm not going to own, that movie made me angry, that movie sucked. They haven't done it. They haven't had a failure of a movie to me, and I'm not talking box office, I'm just talking, they haven't made a pile of poo in these 10 years. But Disney is. Huh? It's not called that, but yes, it's coming out later this year. true so (laughs) good one thank you um so to their credit they've always figured out a way to make b characters interesting like thor who the hell he's a norse viking god for crying aloud they made him they they made good movies same thing with captain america the first one was very jingoistic but they they did such a great job in modernizing him, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, they were only like left with job. B characters because right. they had signed up with all these other, uh, you know, these studios had the best characters. Sure. So they're like, well, we got to start with Iron Man. And each of the ones you mentioned, I'm like, well, Captain America's not going to work. Thor's definitely not going to work. And I was pleasantly surprised each time. And uh, I think that, to your point about the reset, I think that there are some very clear ways they can do it, but all of them will feel cheap. I don't think there's a great way to undo things, you know, in a way where you get to have these characters and it's not just – it's not a little gimmicky. I have theories, but we'll talk about that later. Well, let me ask you – Josh Whedon was the first one to do two Avengers movies. Now you've got these guys, but they're doing it on a larger scale. Yes. B, a much more quicker timeline. Right. Um, you know, and there was an uh, I think it was um, Culture dot com that actually asked them, you know, how you guys are feeling and and whatnot because a he was one man, but th- they talked about the toll that it takes to do a movie, well, two movies like this, and essentially, I mean, when you're shooting two and a half hours of movie, imagine the next one's going to be two and a half hours as well. That's five hours worth of movie right there. That's, yeah, that could be considered three movies in one. Yeah, I mean, it's, listen, they, and again, I think for this one, they're able to pull something off. You know, I mean, what's, what would have been really gutsy is if they, they, they filmed this, I mean, this is, a, this is an epic, right? This Infinity War thing. I mean, look, for, the box office wouldn't be able to sustain it, but man, could you imagine, and I'm sure they'll do it maybe on Blu-ray, but you just interweave the whole thing as one movie. Like they used to, like make it. It's a mad man. Make this a three and a half hour thing. But box office won't dictate because you can't make millions off of just two shows a day. But um, like um, imagine for it not having been done in such a long time, right? And imagine like it's not going to stop people from going. I think Marvel and maybe Star Wars, but Marvel for sure is the one in which audiences would sit through if there was an intermission in the movie. They would sit through an opus. Like this to see it play from beginning to end. Um, that well, could clear problems. A lot, lot of a lot of theaters beforehand did 
a marathon feeling. There, there were some that even did all of the Marvel movies. I don't even understand. I mean, that's like what a day and a half worth of movies or whatever right. it is. And you know, even ones that you know, even like when Iron Man three came out, you could have seen all three Iron Mans. And even that, you're like, well, I like Iron Man, but that's a lot of Iron Man. It's to a sit lot. Through. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Right. Love Tony Stark, but I, I don't need that many jokes and you know grimaces and mugging for the camera. Mm. I'm I'm surprised. Like the, the fact. I would love to interview anyone that's done it just straight through. Like, when do you sleep? When you like some somebody they don't sleep. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. Uh, I remember when they used to have Star Wars marathons with just the original three. Right. Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. That was a day's worth of movie going. They had set times in between each movies. Get, get more popcorn. Get more yeah. food. Go to the bathroom. Come back. But that was still a day at the movies. But for a three and a half, uh, four hour opus, the way that they used to, like roadshow prints, right? Have a have a, like an authentic uh, intermission. I know Hateful Eight did this uh, yeah. at certain locations. That would be interesting, and maybe that's something that they'll like. Like I said on Blu-ray, they'll they'll edit it so it plays like one movie. Um, well, that to me is fascinating on the story, right? and bold, um, and we. We can certainly talk. I, I want to get back to them specifically, only because, like, as far as them as directors, mm-hmm. it is interesting their huge TV background, and they do credit as far as being able to con- keep everything aligned, uh, whether it's Arrested Development and so forth. Uh, which there's an Easter egg of that in the movie, if you, especially if you watch the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, but they credit that as what kept them sane, and obviously the fact that there there's two of them rather than just one, like with Josh. Uh, it uh, it certainly helps. So I wanted to get, kind of get your take on you know what, as far as their direction and so forth, and keeping this all going. Well, I mean, this is not their first Marvel rodeo. I mean, even uh, Civil War was an ambi- ambitious undertaking. So it's like you know, this is bigger than anything. But it's not like you, you know, to use a sports metaphor, it's not like your first day of professional baseball, you're in the major league. You get to work your way up to it. So they got to do movies that were bigger and bigger. And then, you know, there's so many people involved. I mean, you talked about the B unit earlier. The B unit on this movie probably filmed so much more than, you know, like three comedies that came out last month. You know, they probably worked more than the directors on those films, you know, because there's just so much to do. I think... You have a great team behind you and you have a studio that needs you to succeed because you can't – I mean if any of the movies that we have alluded to, the standalone movies, had been a stinker along the way, right. you can you can shrug it off. If this hadn't worked, if this had been Justice League, that would have been disastrous. So everyone was invested in making sure this works. So you have a lot of help. You have maybe not unlimited resources, but for movie making terms – as close to unlimited resources as anybody's ever had oh, to yeah. just get it done, you know, and make sure that it's as good as possible. But I think that's where Marvel succeeds and where DC has failed. Like Kevin Feige has has really put forth like a through line, and we have to try to we're going to make it all work together. And we're we're going to when we're working on a movie, we have to not just see it we look at it as an individual piece to make it a really good movie but we have to we have to make sure that it fits into the whole into the whole universe logically now there is a there is a major inconsistency that that infinity war sort of kind of popped happened um and we'll talk about that in a bit but yeah i mean you're talking like hundreds of hours of film that had to be edited. I think the Russo brothers, to your point, when you do Winter Soldier, 
which I, you know they did the best the best Captain America movies, right? And then you go into um, uh, Civil War, which again has multi characters. It, it, it's weird because you, some people can say that that Civil War is sort of like an Avengers movie. But it really is Captain America. He's the focal point. And they do an amazing job of keeping Captain America the focal point in, in uh, Civil War. We're here, though. This is, again, it was just mind-blowing to me. How do you keep track of this? The script supervisor, that person had to be pulling. They're, they're probably bald now. Well, and I would bet it, there were more than one of them, actually. Yeah. There were probably several, script, like a team of script supervisors. But yeah, I, I, all of them bald. Oh, right. <laughs> and because that, you just watch the movie and it's quite an undertaking. I mean, we've watched movies where you're like, it doesn't make sense. Things aren't matching up. But they did a really good job in, in assuring assuring young and old are able to figure out, I don't remember all the names of the planets, but we're here. We've got these people are here. These people are here. And to your point, they don't really assemble. And that's why I think in the in the the when this finishes, our heroes are going to have to come together in one way, shape, or form. It is the end game, and they are the Avengers, and they work best. They've learned when they are together. So somehow, in this reset button. They'll have to come together to fight this foe to make it work. Well, I thought that as far as the smartest thing, keeping them separate was interesting because each sort of group, in in essence, becomes one singular character overall. You know, they each have a mission, um, much like a character would, and they they have their different personalities. And what really makes it work is the joke, but but you don't need character arcs. You need group accomplishments. Yeah, they're on like individual missions. And, you know, if before this movie you'd told me that I need Thor and Rocket Raccoon to hang out, I'd be like, well, that's the dumbest thing you've rabbit. ever said. Yeah, rabbit. Noble rabbit. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's my favorite part of the movie. I want a five hour movie of them just hanging out. And, but yeah, each of them go off on very specific missions. And then there's very, you know, limited but connective tissue that kind of gets some of them together when they need to be. And then it all propels us towards the next movie. But uh, yeah, I think. That that's sort of the complicated thing we're talking about is having it all make sense and not having it feel like, oh, this feels like three different movies that are happening at the same time. Everybody's ultimate goal is the same thing, stopping Thanos slash killing Thanos. And, uh, you know, they're all working towards that same end, even if they're literally in different parts of the galaxy and the universe. Yeah, well, and to give you just an idea, right? So Fordenschmidt, the editor, crafted the story using more than 900 hours of footage. 900 hours of footage uh, and, and from 180 days of principal photography and another 100 days of second unit work, the most of which was shot using IMAX cameras. 180 days is a school year. That's an entire school year's <laughs> worth of principal photography. 900 hours. If they put it out on Blu-ray, I'll watch it. That's all. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there in the ether right it's now. It's a lot of dudes. It's all right. I'll watch but, it. But again, even as an editor, and I know they have lots of assistants and everything, but you still have to be on point in going, how are we going to cut from this planet to this planet? Where are we going to do it so that it makes sense and that it's not jarring and that we're not leaving the audience confused? Well, and that, to me, is amazing. As far as the writing, if, if, you know, Hulk, for the most part, was the one who interacted with pretty much every, everyone except for the Guardians, right? So he was, when you talk about that thin connective tissue, yeah. he was that 
catalyst to really start things up. Because he, he goes from Thor, then he goes to, to Doctor Strange and Iron Man, then, of course, when they leave on their mission, you know, there he is with Vision and everyone else. Yeah, it's it's a good point. He is he as as much of a focal point for the story as there is in the movie because as you said he doesn't interact with the Guardians, but he interacts with most most of the different factions, you know. I mean, from the Asgardians through everyone on Earth. Uh he is right in the middle of it, which uh you know, I think uh, it's good because Bruce Banner is fairly relatable. Uh, I'm not quite as smart as he is. But other than that, I feel like a lot of the audience feels like they can kind of relate to him because he's got a wait, there's a there's an Ant-Man and a Spider-Man now. You know, he's even he's having trouble keeping up, which I think is a little bit of a nod to people who maybe haven't seen that many of the movies. I think that helps. And again, it helps that he's he's been out of it for a little while. So coming back in the way that Mark Ruffalo plays him as well. Um he doesn't come off as an intellectual elite. Um, so I, I, I think that that helps. Uh, you have a really good actor playing Bruce Banner that you can believe in. Again, since we are talking about the Hulk, all right, so what did I miss in the movie? What, what is well, in the do movie? I, do you want to – let me just give you my theories because uh, Phil saw actual clues, which I saw twice and I don't know. I must have been too busy eating popcorn. But uh, there's a couple things. One, the Hulk – fled the earth so when he's on earth he feels like no matter what happens i'm gonna do something really bad and everybody's gonna hate me even more and Mm -hmm. we saw that in ragnarok he doesn't want to be hated he doesn't like being hated so i think that's one possible explanation is once he's back on because when he's in space he's the hulk when he's on earth he doesn't want to be the hulk anymore the other He's just scared because he got his ass kicked by Thanos. So the Hulk is actually scared for the first time ever. Uh, so one of those two are possibilities, but uh, those are not really answers, just things that I thought about as I thought about the movie. I read the, set, the latter of that theory. That was my... But again, I read it, but there wasn't anything in the movie that explained that. Because again, up to this point, it's Banner get angry, turn into the Hulk, Hulk smash. When he was on uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's planet in Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> yes. he was purposely being like, you know, his his senses were being uh, uh, not not tested, but they were purposely being manipulated so that he wouldn't turn into human form. He would always be uh, the Hulk. When he gets on Ragnarok, or, or when he gets onto Asgard, he's like uh, he he jumps off a bridge to become the Hulk. If there was something that said that Hulk had that personality in the movie, even if, you know, I, I would be, oh, okay. But up to that, though, I mean, what were your clues? That, cause well, the I clue was that he got, his, he got his ass <laughs> beat by Thanos like it was nothing. Like he was a ragdoll. The Hulk, apart from Thor, is, you know, one of, one of the most stronger Avengers. And it was like nothing i mean even the way they did it like we've got something that you don't know about yeah boom no, hulk yeah loki's like we have a hulk because he figured like this is going to be wrapped up in about a minute and a half hulk is going to smash and then we're going to go back you know about our business yeah. and yeah to your extent to to your point hulk hadn't really been beaten like that that we've ever seen in these movies not like know? that but in in thor ragnarok i i mean thor was giving him a decent beatdown until until Jeff Goldblum said, "Oh my God, Hulk's not going to win," and yeah. he rigged the he rigged yeah. the fight. So he was losing a fight already, and yet that didn't stop him from turning into the Hulk again. 
So yeah, I the, get it. The Hulk is smart enough that he probably, and I know he's characterized as not being, but this Hulk is much smarter than what we saw in the Hulk standalone movies and then even in previous Avengers movies. He understood the stakes that this is a really bad guy. I'm going to help everybody out. And he wasn't able to do it. So it could be in addition to fear, there could just be the guilt. I'm like, you know what? Why? What's the point of Hulk smashing if it's not going to get us what we need? And here's the, you know, one of the things I, I appreciate is the fact that it doesn't have to spell everything out for you. Like one way or the other, to me, it doesn't make it a bad movie if you, you know, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. And I'm not saying it's the, the like the only truth, but um, as far as anything else, I I do hate movies that just spell everything out so on the nose for you. So the fact that we can kind of debate it, I think, is somewhat smart. And I do think it'll be addressed in the next movie, yeah. which is you know sort of a cop out. Like, well, we're not going to explain it because we'll get to it. You know? No, it, but I agree. I, I like the debate. I mean, <laughs> that's no, seriously, because that's, that's what we're, we're here. here for. <laughs> I mean, we're here for we're, we're here for the discussion, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, and, and my my side of the debate is that up until this point, we haven't seen any other th- rule other than what I had previously mentioned. So um, that's why I do find that it's a very healthy debate to have. I, I think it's worthy. It didn't make me hate the movie. Uh, again, the three things about this movie that I just felt were were flaws, they, they weren't anything that turned me. Like, I did not leave the theater feeling... It, it didn't make me angry, right? So... But it was just one of the things that I pointed out was like, well, what's up with him? So if it is addressed in the next movie, and I, maybe we have to, again, we're having a discussion on something that's incomplete. So on the whole, like even when we talk about part two, you know, which is going to be a, a true eventuality, it's a true eventuality, we'll have to really talk about part one as well, because we'll have to say, as a whole, how does this work? You know, well, we're talking about every movie, even just now, right? But if you're just talking about these two stories, I mean, a good example, you know, you talked about the Back to the Future movies we're doing concurrently. They did that with the Matrix movies too, and I think most people would say that that second and third Matrix movie weren't great, and they didn't really make sense. But when you saw the second one, you're like, it'll be all right in the third one. Everything's going to be fine in the third one. And you're like, Mm -hmm. that third one's not that good either. So the expectation of, you know, what if they don't explain the Hulk in the second one, then you're like. Yeah, well, why? Like, why? we want to know. Can well, you tell us? Well, the you know, this is just a quick interesting fact. Uh, you know, as far as, like, when you look at Harry Potter, when you look, do look at The Matrix, that was separated months apart, not by year. So it'll be interesting because right. we're going mean, to have a they, lot they, of movies. They did film theme. them at the same time, The Matrix. You're correct, yeah. but yeah. I'm saying as far as a release schedule, yeah. we're not going to get the payoff until, yeah. you know, further for the year next year. Yeah, even the two Back to the Future movies were... They like, were separated they, they, by almost... Oh, like six months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was like yeah. The, two came out in the summer and then the next one came out at Christmas time. Yeah. So this is a long time, but they're like, oh, we'll keep you waiting. It's all right. Well, there's, there's in-between movies. But I do want to... But they, I and they go also back. have to... The visual effects on it, too. I can understand understand waiting a year yeah well we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, i want to go back to the hulk for one second yeah, because yeah. i'm less concerned with how they handled that and i know this is kind of we're going every which way but as far as the marketing there's that very iconic shot where the hulk is running with uh right Captain, I, and i have you have you yeah. understand yeah they they intentionally they made that shot to throw people off they, I think Kevin Feige said that, right? Yeah, that there's stuff in the trailer that is just – it's only there to throw you off. Now, sometimes – a lot of times people understand this probably, that trailers get cut together before the movie's finished. So sometimes stuff 
actually intended for the movie gets cut out. And especially with the comedies. Tra- yes, especially yeah, jokes that you never see in movies or in the right. trailers. Uh, but this was just one of those, like, we're just going to throw a bunch of junk in there to throw people off the scent, which I think is kind of amazing. It's manipulative, <laughs> but it's smart because... Cheeky bastards. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, Very I, cheeky bastards. Yeah, and see, I, like again, it was one of those, I was waiting for that shot to happen. It didn't. I feel cheated, but I just wow. I, again I just felt it was one of those. It, you know, nobody's immune to making the trailer cheat. Yeah, and and it pisses me off. I mean, Spider Man Homecoming. It, there was a shot of right. Spider Man and Iron Man in Washington D.C. and right. I'm like the Washington D.C. sequence, and I'm like, wait, right. where was that? <laughs> so you know, it's it happens, and I've I've already been burned by it. But uh, to hear them say like, no, we did it on purpose, you can get mad. I tend to look at it as sort of more like mad genius. You know, it's like it's evil genius is really what it is in comic book terms. Yeah, I, to me, it was just uh, another trailer cheat. It was a scene that they, uh, for whatever reason, maybe they'll put it into the next movie. I don't know. But it happens now. It's, it's a more common thing to happen. We've talked about it plenty of times on this show. And you're right. Comedy does it. Action movies do it. Um, it's maybe we're introduced to a different take. I don't know. And to me, it was just one of those things that said, oh, oh, another scene that they excised out. Maybe they originally had it in in the original script that way. They just decided to take it out. Maybe it'll be repurposed. That was just oh, whatever. You know, it, 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 it did feel like a cheat, very much so. And to hear like that was deliberate because I understand if you. If you you know put in stuff that isn't meant to be there and gets cut, I, I get that. But th- to have it be that way, it's no different than what mother, the mother trailer was supposed to be a horror movie, and then I don't know how to describe that movie still to this day. <laughs> but see, but there's a difference there, though. There, there's again, I mean, being that I've worked in the trailer world for, for a while, there's a difference when you have a movie like Mother, you have to cheat a trailer because you can't. There's no way to cut something you. You can't advertise the movie that's up on screen, so you have to you have to you have to pull a fast one over. There's audiences. definitely times where you try to save the movie and like trick some people into going and seeing something different. Yeah. There's sometimes there's funny trailers for movies that are only a little bit funny. You know what I mean? It's like right. it seems like a comedy because you cut that trailer together and they like cut and they cut them together for to yeah. tailor and they hide different the, audiences. Yeah, the, the cancer aspect of the movie. So, but there are other movies that we've seen when they're so big. Uh, that there was just a scene or two that that were in the trailer because that's the footage that they had. And by the time, and and again, when you're talking about from pre-production production, production, from the time that a marketing department gets its materials to start piecing together their marketing and their trailer, when that happens, that movie can still be in post-production and things will change. So... That scene that was in the trailer may have been in the movie at some point, and they've just decided whether it be pacing, time, whatever, it comes out. Or maybe they reshot something. For that one seemed a little bit, from what I've read, it seemed a little bit more deliberate. Yeah. But, okay, let's, um, let's shift back into the movie. We've been talking about Infinity War, but we have not yet talked about the Infinity Stones. Mm. One of the, I give a lot of credit to the movie for making Thanos one of the best villains that I've seen in a long time. When you, especially when you compare it to Justice League, they're pretty much the same villain. Oh, in a sense, yeah. The what, character of Thanos is ripped off from the New Gods in DC. They, they you know, 
There's a lot to it, but if you Google it, they it's very blatant. They stole him. He's supposed to be Darkseid, who it factors into all that. But anyway, yes, he's the same character, and I interrupted you because he is the same character. But what's interesting, two completely different ways of actually telling a narrative. One's more interesting than the other. In fact, one is not interesting. <laughs> it, and doesn't you even look interesting. I mean, because they were basically using what was supposed to have been this... You would think that they had the same technology to use, but the way that Brolin was, uh, uh, what's the word? The way he was imagined and like really looked real. Like I, I did see Brolin under it, but I actually saw an actor, and it, it, he was brilliant, brilliantly conceptualized and visualized. Where Justice League, it looked cheap. It really looked. Uh, it, it, it looked cheap. It looked all the money to make him look good uh, was well spent, and he did have emotional heft to him. Um, and, and you're right. I think that he's one of the best uh, MCU villains. Well, a great villain is one who isn't like I want to amass all the power. I want to rule the galaxy. I want to look. Those are those can be entertaining stories. You know, in the in the Marvel comic book universe, you have a character like Doctor Doom. And he mostly just wants everything. When you have Thanos, especially this incarnation of Thanos, he thinks he's making things right. He talks about the balance. He talks about, as the last shot of the movie shows, the sun will raise, rise, the sun will rise on a grateful universe. Because by doing that and getting rid of half, everybody's going to be happy. When Gamora talks about her planet... And he's like, yes, and no one ever went hungry again. You're welcome. He doesn't say you're welcome. But that's what's implied. He's like, I'm helping all of you. Don't you understand? And you only have like you know, the five maybe brainwashed cult members. But you have the five devotees to Thanos who are the only ones that at least get him. And this is not to say that I support his approach, but you understand that he thinks he's doing right. He thinks everybody working against him, everybody in this movie – they're the the villain, and he's the he's the hero. He's going to save the galaxy, the universe. Well, well the, the most interesting part because we get that dichotomy of the way he does uh, Gamora's planet, but then the way he actually wants to truly enact it is, as he says, the least painful way. So he's not trying to start an all-out genocide and eliminate half the population. He's trying to do it in the most noble sense. Now, the flaw that isn't really exactly expressed, but as far as I'm concerned. You know, who are you to really make that judgment? Yeah, yes. Well, and that's where he's whacked. I mean, he feels he's judge, jury, and yeah, half half of you gotta go. You know, and if I he, know was, he says it's random, but yeah, well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like yeah. he, I mean, he has he believes that he has you the know, right to He'd have a life. case if he were born with the powers of the infinity stones, be like, All right, look, this guy can do this without having to, you know, go through all of this to assemble it. Right. So maybe <laughs> maybe he's got a point. But uh, you know, he's gotta get these these stones that are you know, the most sort, sought after items in the galaxy. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly at what moment he's like, I need to do this. Yeah, this is my thing. Since we're talking about the stones for one second, there was one other aspect. I, I had forgotten to mention this, too. Um, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Star-Lord was able to hold on to a stone without getting killed. Like, 
Why isn't this happening in this movie? He can actually be a superhero that can hold on to the stone. Maybe that comes up in the next movie. But that was another thing. I was like, did, did we completely forget that he was able to hold on to a stone right. and, and it's, beat the villains? It's only the because of, of his genetic makeup that right. he was able to. Most people cannot hold right. them. But uh, Thanos, there's something about him that he can wield it. But also, he needed a, you know, he, he doesn't actually gone. hold right. them, right? I yeah. mean, no. Or that, does he hold the soul stone? I can't remember. No, but, it goes into the... Yeah, it, it goes, goes right into right. it. So even he's like, well, I can't touch it, but uh, I have this awesome-looking gauntlet <laughs> available in stores, by the way, uh, that uh, you know is is how I can actually uh, yeah. wield them. Well, it's, this is a good day at the office for Thanos, and I'm not talking box office either. <laughs> no, no, It's yeah. a good day. I mean, it is. It's like his whole ten career years, has been is. building up to this. Yeah, exactly. Well, ten years, and then... What, one week of galaxy travel and we got all the stones we ever needed? Yeah, I mean, the movie starts, he's got, I think he's got one of them, right? At the beginning yeah. of the movie. He's only got one. And then he's just like, oh, let me just go ahead and get all the rest of them, you know? And then now I'm really motivated. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe his contract was up. But he's, it's, yeah, he gets everything he wants in the course of this two and a half hours of the movie, except, you know, the daughter he has to basically throw down a well. But other than that, he gets everything he wants. Right. Yeah. I, okay. So uh, that aside, that's just kind of a big nitpick. But as far as Gamora is concerned, um, you know, what, how did how did you guys feel about that? I thought he actually played it so well. And some people have some people have kind of talked about when she's saying, you know, that that she mocking him, right? Yeah. That she doesn't realize that he actually loves her and I read it as she knows that he actually does love her but she's using it as a way to just basically avoid and save herself and save the galaxy I think that's an interesting interpretation I felt like she still even though he says that he loves her and you know Nebula hates her so much because she was very clearly his favorite I think he her impression was that he doesn't love anything including her and that, you know, you have to actually love something and not just say you love it for this sort of deal with the Soul Stone to actually work. Um, I hadn't thought about it that way, though. It is kind of interesting. But I think it's it's great filmmaking because, you know, the Thanos and the Red Skull both are like, uh, no, dummy. Uh, he's he's crying for you. OK. And then she's like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to I don't want to get thrown over here. So uh, I don't know. I thought that that unfolded very nicely. I thought it was uh, well done, whatever her motivation is. As, as far as that, I mean, you know, do you buy that he actually did love her? I mean, to me, kind he of the thinks... test. Is, well, the test of it is it's almost like if, if he didn't really love her, he would have just killed her and then not get the stone. Like, it's just like, oh, well, you lied. To right. me, you can't lie in that challenge. Yeah, in that moment, you do you can't be disingenuous about it. Uh, I think that he does believe that he loves her. Uh, I think uh, you know various degrees of abusive relationships are well documented. He definitely thinks that he loves his daughter. Um, I don't think he thinks he loves Nebula. I, I think that uh, his willingness with with just how easily he tortured her just because she tried to kill him. So uh, yeah, but I do think he thinks he loves her. Yeah, to an extent. I never was really buying it and i thought it was a good act um for him to like he believes in himself he believes in his plight of half you know half it's it's like the divorce in los angeles half this is what we get and this is what he really believes in um and to get that i i think sacrificing her for where he plays off that oh 
this is really hard. Eventually, he's going to... It's it's a means to an end for him. And if loving her is that means to an end, he'll do whatever it takes so that his ego, so that his godness uh, comes through. I, I was having sort of a hard time. I wasn't really buying because Gamora and even Nebula finally wakes up and says... He never loves me. He, you know, he doesn't. He loves himself. That's who he loves. If he threw himself off the cliff, um, that would have been one soul, uh, and then he could have gotten the stone and come back to life. But I think that uh, I, I don't think he, there, there's maybe a small piece in his heart. But I think he was. It was just his means to an I th- end. I, th- I, th- I think even if she was a means to an end, I think there's. There, I mean, that's kind of a big point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, hey, we should kill vision simply for the fact that if we do then then it prevents something uh but the fact i mean that the, the greater argument can be made when when star lord and him are doing what they're doing it, 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 what sets off star lord i mean if if thanos really wasn't upset that he looked genuinely upset and that's what triggered star lord and if that didn't play the way that i feel it played off then star lord would have just been stupider off even more so, but he's pretty stupid as the movie is. You know, yeah. I mean, your your friends have the gauntlet off. Like, hey, and Tony Stark even gets it. It's like, you know what? Thirty seconds, you can kill this guy, but you just you got to give us this, and uh, so it's all Star Lord's fault. So, uh, thanks, Quill. <laughs> right. Not guardian of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 supposed to be guarding the galaxy, and you're just like, nah. I'm just gonna go ahead and completely endanger it. And you let emotions get the by <laughs> yeah. far get the better of him. Yeah. But what was your reading so. in that sense as far as Thanos? Did was he remorseful for what he'd done, or did he, he just he feels like he paid a price uh, in that he had to kill her? Um, and you know, a, a theory for me is that at some point in the next movie, he's going to be like, yeah, but I kind of miss her, and he'll try and bring her back, and that could be that could cause problems. Uh, also. You know, is she trapped inside the soul stone? I don't quite know how it works. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways that he that could be his weakness actually in the next movie. And you had brought up let, let me bring up the movie It, which deals with an abusive father. Now that father believes he loves his daughter, even though he beats her like violently. Thanos is no different. He believes he loves her. He believes he loves Gamora, and in his own mind, that is his greatest sacrifice. But uh, we know what love is, and that's just—it's just an out of whack version. Like that's his version of love. So yes, to your point, he believes it, but that's well. That's what I'm saying. For him, that was a big sacrifice. Like. You know, again, I'm not trying to judge him as far as his up, his, his whatnot, but but as, as the truth, the kernel that for him it was a sacrifice. Yeah, for him, and that's how I, you know that believability. Again, like he believes that half is going to fix the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, that's every villain's motive. Like their belief is stronger than everybody else's. I mean that's that, that that's motivation for a villain. Yet where the good guys and even you know those with a moral compass go, dude, you're out of whack. No, yeah, as wacky as that is, but their belief is so strong they have to go through with it. Well, absolutely, and it's a strong belief. Well, speaking of strong beliefs, let's talk about Star Lord in that moment because it is for you know when you talked about your nitpicks or your your gripes with the movie, this is one of the biggest for most people. 
Well, the interesting thing is because the gripe is that it's inconsistent with his character. I'm like, oh no, this is exactly who his character is. Very selfish and not doesn't care about anything. He's like, I'm mad. And remember, in a lot of ways, he's still a kid. He's still that kid that got you know sucked you up think in space. So? Exactly. So <laughs> I think he's. Uh, I I think that you know to him he's just like, no, I'm mad. This is what I do, and you know I even I think Tony Stark should get that because even in uh, in Civil War he says. So, you know, Cap's like, I didn't know, or, you know, that he didn't know. He's like, I don't care. I don't care. And in that same moment, so Tony gets it. He's like, look, I get how you're feeling right now. Believe me. You just, you can't do this. But that's who he is. Everything about Star-Lord. I mean, he's a better person than he was when we met him at the beginning of the first Guardians movie, mostly because of Gamora. You know, it's like she's house trained him to some extent, you know. And I think that, uh, I don't know, I think it can make you mad at the character, but it's not bad storytelling because Peter Quill would definitely do that. Uh, it, it's just he can't think straight. He's like, no, I love her. You don't understand what I've already lost, and now I've lost her too. And he's just like, well, Thanos needs to die. Yeah, to me, I, I was it, well. Yeah, it didn't bother me. It wasn't a nitpick for me because I, I you know, I, I got the rage. Um, I mean, it was again, it was ill placed, ill timed. Uh, my only thing was, well, he could have just grabbed one of the stones. <laughs> but it's true. He wasn't thinking. Um, nobody was, except for the people trying to get the gauntlet off. My other thought was, well, they're not going to get the gauntlet off in this movie. They're no, going to save it for the next. Of one. course not. <laughs> but you, you know, <laughs> so. they, from the reality of the movie, it was his plan. By the way, he yes. was very, very quick to brag about his plan. Yeah. So your plan that was perfect. By the way, it was, they it, it were was going working. to do it. Yep. And <laughs> you you're the one who messed it, it up. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let me ask you I loved your point, actually. That was a great point. That 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 Tony Stark, like that that scene in in in, uh, Civil, in War. Civil War, is such a poignant he, scene. He says to Cap, Cap, "I don't care. I don't care." Yeah. And, and Cap's like trying to make night go, dude. And he's like, "I don't care." And he's they started the Civil War yeah. uh, out of that. So uh, and that's why we're we're fractured. In a sense, and Star Lord's new to this Avengers thing. He doesn't know who these people are. You know? He just knows Kevin Bacon. He know <laughs> that's right. He might be. Uh, <laughs> as far as okay, so Doctor Strange. Uh, one of the things that really like, as far as anything that I'm trying to work through, we have over four million chances to lose. 14, four million. Fourteen million. Fourteen million. Yeah. What did 14 I million 650. You said you, you said uh, 4 million. Well, definitely over 4 million. When I was first 14. talking about the movie, I said 1 million and then I and everybody's like, "No, it's a lot more." So, when I watched the movie again the other day, I'm like, "Oh, 14 million 650." So, that's but odd. only one yep. way to succeed. And I Correct. get it, like uh, uh, just that's so like math as far as like Law 14 million what. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I guess let's do the one thing. But what it what doesn't Doctor Strange? My my thing is, doesn't he know what the one thing is? And then if 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 Peter doing what he did is part of that one thing, like yeah, I don't he, know. I just when, when it comes to time travel, I get very frustrated because everything has a different set of rules and how it should play, and it, it, it becomes too it does weird. But, but I think he said it best because I think that this is all going to go around Doctor Strange when he said Tony. I had to give it to him. He goes, we're playing the end game now. Yeah. And that to me was like, that's Doctor Strange thinking ahead. Much like in his movie, 
where he replayed that that's how he beat that villain down by going through that time 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 loop time loop he's already as a chess player he's already thought out okay this is how we win this is how this is going to play out and his word endgame it didn't mean endgame for our Avengers, it meant Endgame for the entire well, how this story is going to unfold. Yeah, interesting you use the metaphor chess. My, I have to give credit because I remember whose idea this was. Uh, my friend Rob Lorich uh, tweeted on Twitter that everybody else in the movie is playing checkers, but Doctor Strange is playing chess. And I took it a step further that he's playing like three-level chess like Mr. Spock. Like yeah. he's so far beyond everything. And he's just like, yeah, all this bad stuff has to happen for it to actually end the way it needs to, including me, Doctor Strange, disintegrating, you know? Right. So it's like this is the only way. And and he knows that it's the end game. And it, it just he has to let it happen. So yes, he has to let Peter Quill be stupid, but he was born that way because he's from Earth. So we can't help it. <laughs> I just again all those things like did he need to give him the stone right at that moment, or could he have got? You know what I mean? It, it just it just brings up too many questions. Sure, of, but in maybe in some of those permutations, he gave it to him a little later, and things went different. You know what I mean? It, so he felt like this is the only way that it works, and to some extent, that's cheating. You know, because you play out all these different scenarios, and you're like, well, I know the one that works. So, uh, but but uh, technically now Thanos does too if he wanted to. Yes, uh, but I, he hasn't. He he. I don't think he knows what the end game is that Doctor Strange saw. I think he's capable of seeing it, but he's he's, he's, he's playing on, marbles. Yeah, <laughs> this is what he's, he's doing. He's on vacation now. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's just watching the sunset. You know, I'm sure he's got the Infinity Gauntlet fused to his to his arm. But other than that, you know, he's still Thanos. Yeah. You know, he's like it's great. Like you said, it's a great day at the office. He's just like it's so great to be Thanos. Huh. Retirement's so. awesome yeah. here in sunny Florida. <laughs> well, not so great to be Vision. <laughs> Let's go to Wakanda, no. shall we? Oh, yeah. Ah, see, we haven't even visited Wakanda yet. Okay. Um, I A lot of people have a problem with the whole love story with with um, Vision and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, that it yeah. happened too fast. I'm like, what more? Listen, you got it. They're in love. Who the hell cares? I don't need to see them they, they, riding carriages anywhere. They, they in even say we gave this two years to work. You it know what did, I mean? Like, yeah. and, and we're like, and we think it works. So it's like, well, two. You know, we didn't need to see it. They say it was two years. I'm like, the, I think the rom com. Yeah, we get a Marvel rom com. By the way, if they want to make a Vision of Scarlet Witch rom com, I am completely in there. And uh, these are characters that I always liked in the comics. When I read the comics in the in the mid '80s, they were together. They actually had kids together. And I was just like, well, that's never going to happen in the movies. They're never going to take the time for these side characters. And so that was a pleasant surprise. I'm like, oh, look, they actually have them together. I know we don't see much of it, but you can see like the the pain that she has. Has uh, in that it's like, well, I'm the only one who can actually destroy, uh, you know, this this Infinity Stone, and I'm going to have to kill you most likely. So uh, I don't know. I felt like it was fine. You don't need to see everything. No, you know? and it wasn't as if it wasn't. Uh, there were hints of it. Primed, yeah. like in the previous movies, like when they met, and then in Civil War, I believe it was. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like. To me, it didn't come as a surprise. It actually made sense because they were talking about being together in Civil War. And in fact, one had to betray the other. She's Scarlet Witch because she went off. She had to make sure that, that, that he couldn't chase her and dissuade her from, from what she wanted to uh, eventually accomplish. So, But finding that they were together didn't bother me. Again, I was sort of primed. 
and, and it was fine. And uh, since we're talking about Scarlet Witch, I was just relieved that they sat Elizabeth Olsen down and was like, stop doing that stupid accent. Just you've, you've been around Americans long enough. You don't have to do it anymore because it, it was never good. So uh, everything about Scarlet Witch in this movie, I was perfectly happy with. I've always liked her. Right? Accent and all, I'll take Elizabeth Olsen. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You know, I thought she, I thought she does. I, I think she does a really good job. I think she was it's a complicated very, character to very do well. well. Cast. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has been very well cast in this too. So yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anybody, but you know, they they did find great people for sure. all these characters. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. even Vin Diesel is Groot. They yeah. did perfect casting. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but the crux of I mean, a, a lot of the emotional stakes do hinge on the fact that hey, does Vision live or does he die? And we basically got to save him. If we don't, then there goes the fate of the galaxy. Right. And he literally is the last piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, what did you get? Like, it was interesting, like, as far as the way it played out, that, that the time stone was second to last. Because in that moment, and again, you kind of, I anticipated it as it was happening. But to me, it didn't diminish whether love story or just seeing in that moment as he reversed time. It didn't min- diminish any of the pain. No, there's two great love stories in this movie, and both of them are willing to kill, you know, the person to save the universe. You have, you know, even though his gun turned into bubbles, the fact that Peter was willing to shoot Gamora is that's actually <coughs> uncharacteristic for him. Good for him that he's grown that much, and also the fact that Scarlet Witch is willing to kill Vision because he's like, look, this is the only way. You have to do this, and you know, I think we get to see both of them make those decisions and neither of them actually comes to fruition. So it's a little bit of a cop out, but I don't know. I think it's, it's one of the themes of the movie I think is, is this kind of sacrifice. Self-sacrifice yes. in a sense too, because you're doing this, you are doing it for a greater good. And it's come to a point where it's the only way you're, you're led. The character is led to believe it's the only way or only chance of surviving this uh, and both the character, both the characters in love, know this. And the person who has to, who has to commit this, they're grappling with it, and they're convinced that they don't want to. Who would? Um, and I thought each one did play it out very well. Well, what the interesting part is, there's to me, I, I almost look at it. There's a certain barrier you have to break within yourself, and once that barrier is broken, you've gone to that depth of that emotion. Right. And yet, when you talk about it, it's for the greater good. None of it came to be. Uh-huh. So not only did you, you metaphorically def- defeat your soul, like, I could never do this, but I have to, boom, and wait, the outcome <laughs> didn't even matter. That's the yeah. heartbreaking part of all of it. Absolutely. It's the tragedy. And as I said, you, I, I, you very deliberately said the barrier is broken. And so at that point, you know in your mind, like, there's no going back. Yeah. Um, so that that's what makes it painful. And uh, I want to get like as far as Captain America saying like, no, we don't do that. We don't trade lives. Yeah, yeah. What did you guys think of that? I think that that is the way that he he has the luxury of having that outlook because he's the product of a different time. Literally, you know. I mean, I think that's the way you can look at the sort of conflicts that you have in World War Two. You know, this scale, it's like you know, and sometimes you're going to have to trade lives. You're going to have to. You know, you could have had to sacrifice Vision for Thanos to not get the Infinity Stone. I mean, quite literally, if at that moment they're like, look, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have to kill you, Vision. And not that that would ever happen. But 
he wouldn't have been able to get the stone. I mean, I guess he could have gotten the time stone and then go gone back further. So I guess ultimately it would be undone. But you could have prevented it. But they were so focused on saving Vision, which I don't criticize them for. Obviously, he's their teammate. He's their friend. But they, you sometimes have to be willing. And Vision was willing to trade lives. Maybe that's because he's not fully human. You know, he understands it from a more logical standpoint than any of the humans. But uh, I don't know. I think that, like I said, Cap has the luxury of being able to look at the world like that. Absolutely. You know, he's 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 the almost in a sense he's the moral compass to it all, and it's great. Like those movies too. I, I never expected to. I never expected Captain America to be the, 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 the superhero in this entire series that I ended up liking the most. Only because of the way the first movie was presented and then the dilemmas that he had to face in the subsequent movies. And I think that they handled it really, really well. And again, going to you know what, what causes the Civil War is some people are willing to give up their liberties in Captain America, I think in a large part because of the time period. He's like, no, we can't do that. Once we give up civil liberties, then they're going to push and push more. And what's that going to leave us? And you understand his plight and uh, you can agree with it. Uh, and I just like the character is great. And when... The eventuality is going to happen. Well, not an eventuality. I mean, he said, Chris Evans has uh, already said, after the after Infinity War, I'm done. I'm hanging up my shield. Um, get that man me, a shield. Get that man. It's <laughs> a great line. <laughs> that is great. They had a lot of great lines. That's a lot of great thing, lines. too. A lot of applaudable moments in this movie. Yes. That was a big um, reason why I had to see it a second time. Yeah. There was a lot of laughter and applause and things. I'm like, I'm missing what's happening on the screen. So, yeah, because people are just so into a movie like this. Yeah. Well, I, w- I want to stick with um, him and that choice for one moment because yeah, sure. t- uh, two things out of it that came out for me. Number one, the idea that Vision was sort of more than human, right? That, that, that he, He's this new being that can know more. And even if you take this thing out of him, he's still... Uh, the sum of these various parts creating something completely unique and to destroy that you know would be detrimental for the sake of kind of uh, continuing I guess if I can for lack of a better word but then the other side of it when you look at it it's the counter opposite Thanos is trying to get rid of half of humanity whereas the whole point is like why fight any war let alone this war if all we're going to do is lose out on the people we care about Mm-hmm. Before, like, if there's going to be casualties, yes, but if if we have to ourselves be the ones to create those casualties, then right. what's it all worth? Well, it's the fundamental question of you know, do you go back in time and kill young Hitler? You know, I mean, you can you can make the case for it, you can make the case for killing Vision here, but you're absolutely right, you are sacrificing something. Oddly, you're sacrificing sacrificing your humanity for someone who's not entirely human. But he, you know, for them, for like the space they have for him in their hearts, they love Vision, you know, and they are, they go to great lengths to try to keep him alive. And, you know, again, as with several things in this movie, they almost pull it off. They get very close mm-hmm. to letting him survive. Yeah. I, I always, again, without having read the Marvel comics, but having Vision introduced and the way he was introduced into this cinematic universe, uh, he always... In in, in in essence, he reminded me of Data um, for, from, from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. Data being a almost a, a, an AI droid who's seeking to become more human. Vision too is a, he's a program basically, and he's be and he's self, he's sentient, 
and he's trying to become more human. Um, listen, if anybody at any time uh, anybody tried to kill Data, you know, the crew of the Enterprise was like they they had episodes hinged on. I don't care if he's built out of machine and parts. He's our crew. He's our friend. And the same thing with Vision. Here doesn't matter like what he's made up of. He he thinks, therefore he is. He's sentient. He's he's a, he's an artificial intelligence, and he has become part of the crew. And he's developed a relationship, like a a, a full on romantic in love relationship. And he has the love of friends. So you know it's it's sort of a big deal. He wasn't around as long as Data was around, but no, you know I I, I get it and. Um, Meaning, and also, Vision has that thing that that self awareness going. I need to look. You need to kill this stone, regardless. Uh, regardless of what regardless happens of to what me, happens and, to and me. that goes back to the the self sacrifice. Yeah. And by the way, you know, uh, somebody we haven't talked about a reminder of self sacrifice is the fact that we have first baby Groot, and now in this movie we have like teenage Groot. Well, why did that happen? Because he sacrificed his own life, knowing right. that he could be born again, and Vision knows that he can survive as some kind of computer program without the stone. He's willing to change for the sake of everything. He's willing to die even. Sure. So I, I think that that's just another character it just occurred to me that it's like that's, you know, it's everywhere. The yeah. reminders, the importance of self-sacrifice to this universe. And at the end of the day, Data self-sacrificed himself. Even though he has an identical twin brother that could have replaced him at any time. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, but the biggest sacrifice would have been made that, that singular love to Scarlet Witch. Yes. Um, what did you guys think of the, the Wakanda battle overall? You know, I mean, a lot of movies kind of try to pull us off the intercutting of one to the other. But, um, you know, to a degree, I, I've read because Thanos isn't there, it's like, okay, well, all we're trying to do is save Vision. I thought, well, aren't those big enough stakes well, for you? Like, what else do you sure, need? The, the sure. <laughs> the stake of trying to save Vision is also we're stopping Thanos by saving Vision. You know, they go hand in hand. You know, I guess, yes, like we've said, you could kill Vision, you know, just destroy the stone, and then you've stopped Thanos. But they're trying to do both, and they feel like they can do it. I think that that's a great battle sequence. Uh, you know, anytime you have sort of you know, swarms of uh, hordes of an army that's willing to kill themselves for the sake of the battle. Uh, it's always entertaining because you have, you know, our heroes who, you know, they don't necessarily want to die, although they're willing to. And you get some great combinations of characters fighting together that you don't otherwise get to see. And then, of course, once Thor arrives, it, it's a complete game changer. So I don't I think that the Wakanda battle is very important. And I think it's just from a filmmaking standpoint, it's just amazing the way it was done. Yeah, it was done really well. And Wakanda's out in the open now, um, for sure, to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, Star Wars has, has always done that, multiple battles going on. So you'll have Endor taking place and a big space battle going on up there. They are, they, they intersect, uh, you know, one relies on the other. I felt that in this too, it was just the, the way that they, in which it was filmed, cut together, edited, it, it's, it's very well played. And, and again, the stakes there, uh, you know, it was good to see some of these characters like coming together. And again, they have the applaudable moment when Thor shows up. You know, he literally is uh, the, 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 the hands of God. The right God there. of thunder, <laughs> yeah. as, so, as he's known, yeah. Um, so uh, it, was, it was 
it, just very well done. Uh, the villain, see, outside of Thanos, like his henchmen seem to be really almost too powerful. Like I've never seen henchmen that powerful before. Yeah, it is uh, impressive. You're right. Was, uh, usually, but again, Wakanda, like how they all came together too. But again, this leads to if you did not see Black Panther. You're not going to get why this one tribe, and you wouldn't even know that they were a tribe, really, yeah. why it's such a big deal that they're showing up. I know somebody who just skipped Black Panther because he wasn't interested, and then I was like, but you saw Infinity War, and you're right, there's a lot of these movies, You, right. you, you that's one that you really, I mean, you're much more invested in everybody in Wakanda, and you know the characters. Yeah. Uh, also, it's a good movie, but anyway. It is a good movie. You know, uh, if we could talk Thor for one second, yeah, sure. he didn't really lose his eye for that long. What four hours, five hours? <laughs> and then he gets an eye back. I go, wow. I go, see, that's what being a star is. I, he complained thought, that it was so uncomfortable yeah. that they gave him an eye. I thought that that was a great callback to Rocket having the eye. Yeah. you know, and it was just like, oh, there's no way that they knew Thor was going to lose his eye, or did they? You know, so I was just like, that was one of my big conversations with my wife after we saw it. Was just like, they couldn't have known. Do you think? And of course, the great th- throwaway line that Rocket has is like, "Ah, you should have watched that. I put it in my. Oh my God, oh, we're okay. here. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that was. Really funny. <laughs> and look at that. Uh, we're seeing the eye going back into Thor for those watching on YouTube. Can I That's have great. your? Can I have your arm? <laughs> I'm going to take your arm. That yeah. was another. Oh yeah. Line too. I Rocket. Rocket had uh, some great lines throughout the course of the entire yes. movie. Yeah. Well, I think as far as the movie, uh, you know, they, they did a good job of setting up the stakes. And then as far as everything else, the the ancillary characters that they weren't going to have arcs for, uh, it was just very entertaining. You know, you look at, uh, I, for me, one of the funnier lines was Groot comes in and he's like, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but to my extent, uh, to the extent of what I was saying at the beginning, uh, that they serviced all the characters. Like, you had some good stuff with War Machine, good stuff with Falcon, and, you know, there's not necessarily time for them, but they made time for them, and I like those characters. You know, those characters are never going to get their own movies, they're, but they're great supporting cast, mm-hmm. and I liked watching them interact. And I liked Rhodey tricking Bruce Banner into bowing for T'Challa. Just little tiny character things like that. And it's like, yes, the movie's two and a half hours. You can take time for stuff like that. But it does, you know, it just helps to spend a little bit more time. And of course, we care about the core characters, but we also care about those side characters more than I think you do in a lot of movies. I agree because I think one of the successes of the film is that it doesn't feel padded. Like it, it definitely did not feel padded to me. There was nothing that was uh, extraneous that I could have said. Nah, I didn't need that. Like sending the all. sending the Dark Knight to China just because there's Chinese investors in the movie. You know, I'm just well, picking that from a movie that just didn't have anything to do with the story. Well, it did though, because that well, guy. All right, not, all right. We'll I picked it because I just assumed that it was extraneous. But anyway, yeah, it, it does. You don't. You know, they don't have it, time for extraneous. You're already two and a half hours. You want to be yeah, three hours? And did, well, and it, like I said, it didn't feel like padding in this movie. Although I. I will say I did miss Hawkeye. I did. I missed that character. I mean, I, I recently uh, rewatched uh, um, Ultron again, Age of Ultron again, and you know he had some great. There were some great scenes with him. We get to see his favorite, home life. Yeah, but uh, his home life was great. But I think to me, what really, what really st- has stuck out for that character is he's the only one that's really doesn't have a, like this superpower and he had this great dialogue with Scarlet Witch and and he says look 
You're either in this or you're not. He goes, the city is floating. We're being attacked by robots. And all I've, and, and I'm a man with just a bow and an arrow. <laughs> None of this makes sense. Yeah. He's the one character that is in this that goes, what the hell am I a part of? All I have is a bow and arrow. And he's like, so you either have to fight with us or you stay here and I'll come back and get you. And I actually, that to me was the turning point for Scarlet Witch. And they ended up having like this really good chemistry together. And then when you see them together in that, um, that great movie that came out last summer, um, where uh, he's Wind the River. Wind River. Oh, I mean, I they thinking, work yeah. really well together. And I was like, I sort of, I missed his character in this movie. I was bummed that he wasn't there. Well, you could, uh, Peter Parker kind of plays that, although a little bit too comedic, uh, you know. As, you, as far, oh, we're using our made-up names. It's probably my, it was in the trailer, so I knew it was coming, but that's probably my favorite favorite moment in the movie. It's just like, oh, I'm Spider-Man. I, I, <laughs> I just love that, because that's such a Peter Parker thing, and the fact that he's able to be in this universe with them now is great when you can get your movie studios to play nice. But yeah. uh, I did miss Hawkeye, because I feel like, you know, look, I said that they serviced everyone well. Well, that's taking into consideration that Hawkeye's not in the movie. And the rumor was that he was going to die early in the movie, and that's why you didn't see him on the poster. So I was just relieved that he didn't die. And I'm like, all right, so we can get some more Hawkeye, you know, in the next movie. I think we're going to see him in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, so I, I hope he gets a big part in that, and it makes sense because he and Scott are the only ones, what, they're under house arrest. Uh, but he's a great character who I like a lot from the comics. But, you know, he doesn't get a lot of great screen time in the movies especially not the first Avengers where he's like possessed you right. know so uh, you know he, we've not really gotten we'll never get a Hawkeye movie that's fine no. but I'd like a movie where he gets to shine and you're right Ultron is is the best that we've ever gotten yeah and, and and Jeremy Renner always played it fantastically I've always said of Ultron to me my favorite parts of that were the quiet moments and which you actually got the character development and some of that dialogue so I did miss him there because you know, he, too, is a good friend of Scarlet Witch. And he, you know, it would have been nice to see them together. To, to but I would have taken away support. from Vision. You know, Perhaps. Especially sure. when you're trying to create yeah. that love story. Or and he could have given that support to, like, at that crucial time. I don't know. I just missed the character. That's all. Fair enough. It, it didn't, you know. Speaking of the future, as we, uh, we're getting to the time where we've got to start wrapping things up, even though there's so much we can definitely talk about. But I, uh, for the future, right? A question I want to ask you is, will this movie hurt Ant-Man's box office in some way for the sheer fact that that movie's not really going to answer the questions that we've been asking? Uh, I don't think it's going to hurt it. I don't think that this was going to be, and I'm talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, was not going to be a you know Black Panther-style box office regardless of when it came out. I mean, the first Ant-Man did well, well enough to justify a second one, but it's it's not one of the bigger grosses. It's In fact, I think it's one of the lower ones, but mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Um, and I do think that it will advance the story probably only a little bit at the very end of the movie. You know, I think... My expectation is that Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to happen sort of before all of this, and then as the movie goes along, it'll get closer, and then it'll be concurrently, and then Scott's going to have to get somewhere to sort of help explain why he's in uh, Avengers 4. Um, well, uh, what are your thoughts before I, I jump to my, my next thought? No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking that with Ant-Man and Wasp, I, I do, like it's, it's almost going to run concurrently with what's happening he doesn't know what the hell's going on over here. Um, it, he's almost like 
Bruce Banner going, wait, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Wait, what did I miss? So will it affect the box office? I think Ant-Man's going to do what Ant-Man's going to do. Um, it, it'll probably play a little. I think it'll. I'm not sure if it's because of this Avengers movie, but because of the last movie, I think it'll play. I think it'll do more. I think it'll open higher than the first Ant-Man. Um, they've, they've, they did a great job setting up that world. They did a really good job in putting him into Civil War. So he had a lot of fun. So I, I think that the character has gained appreciation from, from movie fans. So that the movie will probably end up doing a little bit more. And and again, where, where Marvel succeeds is, is taking characters and then putting them into the bigger picture. And then people going, all right, Ant-Man's, Ant-Man's in this movie. So may not have missed them as much uh, in this Avengers movie because we know we're getting. We know we're getting one. him in, in like yeah. a couple months. Yeah. So Hawkeye is just an omission because he just he's never had his own movie, and I'm with you. Don't necessarily need a full Hawkeye movie, but he's been with the team since day one yeah. and has proven to be a loyal member, a good member, really level headed, and so that's why I, I missed him. I'm seeing Ant-Man in a couple of months. <laughs> well, it'll be, you know, I think even though it won't progress this storyline necessarily, it will, the information learned for Ant-Man, as far as, um, you know, Ant-Man's the one I'm least familiar with, although I did see it as far as, he, he plays with time and space, correct? I mean, he, in a way, but he mostly, like, there's the, the other universe that he deals with, which isn't worth going into in this show. But, I mean, it's mostly just sort of shrinking and all that. He doesn't deal so much with uh, with time and space. It's just if you go into the other universe, you can get lost, and that creates a problem. But, uh, you know, it's mostly shrinking and growing. If you want to just boil it down to what can he do, he can get really small or really big. Well, in my limited knowledge, I feel like that other realm... Is going to play a key factor somehow. Well, the thing that will definitely play a factor in this movie got me much more excited because of the end credit scene, which we haven't talked about, is Captain Marvel, which will come out in March. And Captain Marvel, I, I thought everybody knew this, but I guess people are surprised. Uh, it's set in the 90s. So it's a little bit of a, okay, before we tell the last chapter here of the Infinity War, let's take a look back at something that happened that's actually going to be really important. And the way that that movie's going to end, I think, is going to really have us even more amped up for uh, Avengers 4 uh, because the, you don't need to know much about Captain Marvel but she's probably the most power. I think that Kevin Feige described her as the most powerful character that we've ever had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so Avengers 4 could be over in 10 minutes if she shows up in the beginning I'm just saying yeah. she's capable of it yeah. but I, I don't think it's going to be only 10 minutes so anyway I was I was looking forward to that movie um, I love that character she was Ms. Marvel in the comics from the 70s and onward but uh, so that I think is going to be really important and I'm excited about Ant-Man but way more excited about Captain Marvel now yeah. I'm, I'm very yeah. interested for the, for the fact that she is called Captain Marvel and I know it's yeah. Yeah, well, very they, on the nose. The first guy was his name was Marvel, so they just called him Marvel. But yeah, I know, and they stole the name from DC, who now have a character called Shazam, who used to be called Captain Marvel. Marvel. But anyway, fair enough. So, um, and I'm looking forward to that movie as well. But but again, it's adding to the hundred movies uh, within this. Yeah, and and, and there, there, she has to show up. I mean, there has to be something. 
She allegedly was supposed to appear in this movie, but then I think they shaped the story slightly differently. And I think it works really well to introduce her after we have this point in the story where you're like, well, there's really no hope. Well, let me let me introduce you to somebody who might give you some hope. And uh, I don't know. I think that'll be a great movie. Yeah. Agreed. I think Ant-Man and Wasp will be equally as fun as as, as the first Ant-Man movie. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's talk. Let's talk box office. Basically, is there any record that this thing hasn't yet broken? Why don't uh, we just start there? Yeah, I, I heard all the records. Uh, what are, I, I see you looking at it right there, Dimitri. Mm-hmm. What it, so what's the total right now? So it's what it's been out for eight days as we record yeah, this. Yeah, and as of May second. Uh, three hundred and twenty-two million dollars. Let's just say three hundred and twenty-three. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's all, folks. Um, you know, but but here's again, uh, we've 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 been talking about this more and more uh, on the show. Box office domestically, it's done that. Uh, foreign international mar- markets five hundred and sixty-six. So let's just call it five hundred and sixty-seven million dollars. So, which has accounted for 63.7% of the gross. We've been seeing this more and more, uh, which, which fuels my, you know, I, I strongly believe that as, as much as there are doomsayers here in the States that say box office is down, this, that, well, when you look from a global picture, no, everybody goes to the movies. Everybody globally goes to the movies. So internationally can carry those smaller movies in, in some cases. But, you know, when you have an Infinity War, when you have this whole Disney machine, what, what, what I try to – like these are great movies – not every movie can do this. So they really raise the bar and the expectations for these other for other movies. Like and if you don't do that, they don't pay attention to it. So I just say there are other movies out there. They may be smaller. You know, you got to show some love that way. Um, it makes us better moviegoers, but when you have uh, a total of 889 million dollars <laughs> worldwide within a week yeah, like a week. I mean, yeah. the, 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 like <laughs> by, by week. Monday, they'll probably have a billion dollars. A billion yeah. dollars. Uh, they might globally. have it by the end of the day. <laughs> while yeah, while we're could. recording this, they might go up to a billion, billion yeah. dollars in a week. And that's not even talking about whatever merchandise, <sighs> the, you know, yeah. we, the, the, that that's going on. So uh, that's that's a lot of money, and no, it's a high, it's 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 almost too high of a standard that you have to that you have to uh, assert on other movies because it doesn't happen often. We should be thankful for the box office when it does, and these movies support that. But we can't go on expecting that movies are going to do a billion dollars in a week, even if you're Star Wars, even if you're Solo. Ant Man, Captain Marvel. Well, you have to you look know, at it in the in the context of as we said, this is this is eighteen movies deep into it. This is the culmination of something. So to just throw something up on the wall and expect that return, you know, even if, the, the movies that did beat out Fast and the Furious uh, and Star Wars, like for some of those records, they're they're very big in their own right as far as like what they've managed to build. Sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, Dimitri, you referenced the Disney machine and obviously this is all great for Disney, you know, acquiring Marvel, acquiring Lucasfilm. Like there was the ad in Variety that Kathleen Kennedy took out which was like I think Ray handing the lightsaber over to Tony Stark and it was like, "Hey, congratulations on beating our record." 
Disney, Disney beating right. Disney. And yeah. it's just like, you know, good for, you know, if you want to look at it just from the business standpoint, just acquiring these these properties. Look, Lucasfilm wasn't going to be doing that much with Star Wars. And they're like, they're churning money. And the Marvel comic books, they lose money. But they're like, it gives us more ideas for the movie, so it's fine. Go ahead, just do you know, do whatever you want, and we'll you know get a billion dollars out of it. So uh, you know, you can only do that when you're a company like Disney, where you know you're you're able to keep some of your you know some of your other properties uh, yeah. afloat. And if know. the and if the Fox deal goes through with Disney well, too, forget that. Yeah. Like it's just uh, they're almost being hazes. They're, they're, they're being <laughs> like really like it's too greedy. It's almost like too much. It's almost too much. Just imagine uh, if we could have gotten the X Men in this movie. Yeah, you know? the, don't worry, Avengers Five, the X Men. Deadpool yeah. did try. That was a great that tweet great. from yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Like yeah. he had a letter from Tony Stark, Tony Stark rejecting him. And what was it? Try Professor funny. X. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It was yeah. very funny. Yeah. But you know, a billion dollars uh, or close to a billion dollars. Oh, here we go. Uh, as of May third, now. So, so look at that. Updated. Up, look at that. Nine hundred and five million. All right. So, like I said, by the end yeah. of the show, it's going to be a billion. Yeah. So In between now and we'll wait. Go to the movies. <laughs> Everybody, go. We'll sit here for two and a yeah. half hours. A week that yeah, that that's just insane. And they're saying that for this weekend. Which there isn't much really op- much opposition. There there no. are smaller movies. I'm not saying that Overboard they're bad. Is like Tully the only is coming out. Tully, yeah, yeah. But but again, what I'm th- they're smaller movies. Like nobody wanted to come in on this second weekend of of this because no, it's still going to do 125. Remember, this is the weekend million. it was supposed to open. Yeah. So everybody's was already cleared out of this weekend, and they moved it back to last weekend. So, you know, and there was no reason to really move around. I think that they wanted to give it a little bit more breathing room between that and Solo, you know. But, uh, yeah. So Even that, though, the, the, the window of time is ironically not that. Like three Just weeks. Yeah, basically. Disney's yeah. just one after the other. Jesus. I know, and then they have Incredibles 2 in June. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what else the, the rest of their slate Ant-Man is. Ant-Man in July. Yeah, so there's there's a big Disney movie every month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, and then we still have towards the end of the year uh, as well. So, yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's it's a run. It's it, Again, it's almost too much power. But... Again, I'm happy in the sense that, yes, we, you know, I'm not a person. I don't hate these superhero movies. I like them for the fact that they do fuel our box office. The only thing I say as a movie fan, if you truly are movie fans, there are other movies other than Marvel movies. We've talked about it here, how refreshing it is sometimes to see a movie that doesn't have a comic book logo in front of it. These movies are great popcorn entertainment. They will continue to do so. They've proven like Disney's just playing really harsh, like trying to play catch up and failing miserably. We have You're the talking mo- about DC, not Disney. Uh, d- 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 Disney. Disney's DC, doing yeah, just fine. Yeah, Disney's all right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Forgive me. So DC, it's, it's in, in a movie like this. Avengers: Infinity War showcases the major weaknesses that Disney uh, that DC has. I don't want to get bogged down on this, but, but look, this is what shows what happens when you are willing to play the long game. When you're going to take ten years to get to this movie, and they weren't willing to do that. They're like, we have a Superman movie, great. We're going to put Batman in the next one, and then the mm-hmm. next thing's going to be Justice League. They didn't do that. No. We knew all of the Avengers. You know, I mean, Hawkeye less so, but you know sure. what I mean. We knew them from their own movies. Take the time. You know, it took. What was it? It was three, four years before we got the Avengers. It was three years. So take the time. Do all the movies. And if you make them if you make them right, 
you're going to make a ton of money on 18 movies instead right. of a little bit of money on four. Right. Or, but, but here's the, also to DC, I say, why do you have to do that? You know what I mean? I think I think it's okay to have a standalone yeah. Superman movie. I think it's okay to have a standalone Batman movie and they're, not have to create this their, universe. Their only critical success, really, you know, and by critical I mean by critics, is Wonder Woman, and that's a standalone movie. Yeah, that's right. well, yeah, not the not yeah. the, not the Batman Batman's, movies, right. but I'm talking about this universe right. that they're using. It's only Wonder Woman, really. I mean, right. Man of Steel made money. That's not the point. But the point is, like, the movie that was received the way they wanted it to be is Wonder Woman, and that one stand stands alone. You can watch that. Movie movie and never see another one and be like i'm very satisfied yeah and in, in our podcast for that i said this is the best marvel movie that dc has ever made <laughs> because true. it truly is yeah. it plays out like a really good marvel movie and maybe it's ego i don't know at dc but you know if they just took a page from the marvel playbook and like you said just play it for the long run play it for the long game because everything what phase are we in now we're, is this, this, is four, this phase three? Or no, or four is the next one. Right. I think this is going to be the end of phase three when we get to Avengers 4. Right. Uh, somebody correct me in the chat if I'm wrong, but I think this is the end of phase three. Right. And phase four is going to be like, you know, Black Panther 2 and, you know, we, you know they, they oh, know. No, 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 no. They They're all arbitrary. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Black, Black Panther's Black dead. Panther. So there'll be no yeah. Black Panther there's movie. There's no Black Panther yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah but there's always a Black Panther. No, there's no more of there's no more of those those herbs or leaves or whatever. So nobody else can be the Black Panther, <laughs> only T'Challa. Um, but when you think about what led up to the first Avengers movie, right? And that movie at the time broke records. It was crazy. Right? You're like, oh and my god, they're all together. They're all together. But how did how did we get through that phase one? And it's just very interesting the steps that Marvel takes to culminate these these characters, these superheroes, so that the next Ultron was really big too. So it's no surprise to me that Avengers: Infinity War is doing what that you know is doing what it's doing for business because they take their time and they build great characters. My 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 one thing though is can we stop as fans and as reviewers every time a Marvel movie comes out, it's the best movie in the MCU universe until the next Marvel movie comes out and then it's the best movie in the MCU MCU Well they can't all be the best. It's like going to Vegas going voted number one. Everything in Vegas is voted number one. (laughs) And it's it's, by somebody yeah by somebody somebody voted number one. It's voted number one. It's like, well, it doesn't have to be the best in the MCU universe. Be happy that they continue to be really good, though. Yeah. Be happy about that because they do, as I said at the top, I can't point to one movie. Like, I might like Iron Man 2 the least. Yeah. Right? And but you, somebody you else can, might like, you can it's rank a them. You know, you're like, well, you know, Thor right. Dark World and, you know, Guardians 2 is not as good as Guardians 1. You rank it all, but then you're like, the ones at the bottom, you're like, oh, but I'd watch that again. Yeah. I know there isn't any of them. You know, for me, it, it, you know, a lot of people don't like the first Avenger. That's my favorite one. I, I like think that, that that's so well too. done. Yeah. And I think that everybody has a favorite, and that's the best part, you know? But yeah, they can't all be your favorite. You yeah. can't have 18 favorites. Yeah. And, and, but they are good. Yes. It's all to a matter of degree. It's much like, I compare it to the Harry Potter series. I can't look at any one of those movies and go, that movie really sucked. It made me angry. I don't want to own it. <laughs> I think that, yes, you can like more than, than, than some others. I own all of the Marvel uh, Universe I, movies. I think when I do, they actually, come yeah. When they come out, I buy them. I, and then they come in with the box set, and I'm like, I'm not double dipping on this. Yeah. But I, I've owned them all, and they're in my shelf. So that, to me, says something. They, they make entertaining movies, even with characters I felt 
had no right to make a good movie like Thor, even like an Ant-Man. I just never would have expected them to be good. And, nope. and I've been wrong so many times. Yep. I always bet on Marvel. I thought, yeah, Ant-Man's another one. I'm like, well, that can't be good. But then they tell it in the one way where it makes sense, make it kind of silly and funny. Sure. That's how you do Ant-Man. And Thor, well, you know, a little bit more lighthearted Thor. And he's not really like the god of thunder, you know? And just they they have the right take on everything. And people are very critical of the way that Disney – you know, gets rid of some of the creative people behind. I don't know what an Edgar Wright Ant-Man would have been like. It's probably a movie I would have liked more, but I bet it's a movie that wouldn't have made as much money. So, Could you know, they know, yeah, I mean, we will never know, but that's what they look at. It's like, no, this is our, this is our vision, no pun intended, Paul Bettany, yeah. but this is our vision. This is what you have to kind of stick to within these guidelines Absolutely. and you'll get to make, you know, you get to make more of our movies. You get to make, brothers. Yeah, yeah. But again, to me too, there's the, that's the blessing side. The curse side of it is, the Russo brothers show adeptness in making these kind of movies, but people are, you know, I, I was almost, in, I, I got out of it. It was a very quick Twitter war where I was like going, you can't call the Russo brothers great directors because I was saying something about like Steven Spielberg. I go, these are the only movies they've ever done. Yeah. We don't know what else they've done. And that's part of the curse of being in these the, the these universes is that what Marvel or Disney does is, Okay, you guys, we're gonna lock you up for ten years. You're gonna this is you're gonna make these movies. Well, they're great That's TV they're directors, done. but they're they're very good at making these kind of movies, and I'm sure they want to have uh, more of a cinematic career. So I'd be interested to see what they do outside of a Marvel universe movie. But it's the same with a lot of these actors. I mean, at least Hiddleston. Uh, you know, and again, if he goes away, he at least has the King Kong and Godzilla franchise world uh, t- to leap into. <laughs> um, same with Zoe Zaldana. Like I said. And Star be, Trek. You know, and, it's Star Trek. Avatar, so, yeah, she's I mean, fine. That's, that's being greedy. Yeah. <laughs> she's got three <laughs> franchises. Got three Enough, franchises. So, but they do lock up these talent. I mean, think about it. It's been a decade. How many movies has Robert Downey Jr. done? I remember what, The Judge. Did, did he, he, did, he did like a second Sherlock Holmes, but I think yeah. that was like after the first Iron Man. But yeah, it's true. He doesn't that yeah. much. And that's that's the vision. Again, sorry, I should stop using yeah. the word. But <laughs> nobody wanted to make a movie with Robert Downey Jr. in 2007. True. They went, and exactly. they couldn't insure him for Iron Man. And look where it got them, just taking a chance. You know, they, the studio wanted Tom Cruise to be Iron Man. And yeah. I love Tom Cruise as, a, as an actor. Uh, but he's not Tony Stark. So, you know, just it's, it's all these rolls of the dice. And, you know, they're willing to say, like, you know what? This isn't work. I know that, that it's Star Wars. They're like, look, Lord and Miller aren't giving us the Han Solo movie we need. And people are very critical for them getting rid of them. But you know what? They brought in Ron Howard, and whatever that is going to come out in a few weeks is going to be something that they're happy with. And it's it's their it, they're their toys. They'll let you play with them, but if you don't play nice, they're going to go ahead and bring them back and bring in somebody else. And uh, go. Yeah, because they've let go of so many people, like uh, great directors, but, not yeah. like people you've never heard of. You know, yeah. yeah. So, so. It, uh, well, it, it it just goes back to the art tour question. Like in the, in this realm, the director is not the end all be all. Yeah, Kevin they don't, Feige and the rest in this realm. They the don't want the help. Yeah. The, you're right. They don't. But the directors help. They, they, they sh- certainly bring uh, the action. Like the Russo brothers, again, since seeing them, uh, they did Winter Soldier. And Winter Soldier was like such a departure from the first Captain yeah. America. And you go, wow, this is, this is really good. It, it stands up to the original, if not better. And then what they did in Civil War. 
and and they elevated the Captain America character to almost becoming way more popular than than the Iron Man movies. So what they've been able to do in the in the Marvel uh, cinematic universe is fantastic. I just I'd like to see them do before I start calling them great and they're great directors. I want to see what else they're able to do. I'm not saying they can't do it, but it'd be interesting to see them outside of this. So Chris Evans has been tied up for a while. The, He's done a little bit more than Robert. Yeah, and he's on Broadway now, and he had that gifted movie, which we really enjoyed. A bunch of other ones, too. So, but you have to turn down things, you know. So, I think a lot of these people involved are going to be relieved to, like, oh, that was fun to be part of the Marvel Universe, but yeah, let me go on to my next thing, including the Russo brothers. You know, I'm sure they're going to want to actually make their own movie at some point. But they've also, like, they've embraced it, too. They've really embraced the superhero, and they've used it to become quote-unquote heroes themselves, whether it's helping children who are sick, showing up at a hospital. Like, they embrace this and they know it They know what it can inspire amongst the fans. They're not... They don't hate the fact that they're playing superheroes. They embrace it. They go and do good things as human beings, uh, which I think is amazing because we hear so many times that uh, William Shatner for years... Like with oh, Captain Kirk again. The same thing with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, he wrote a book. I am not Spock. Okay, a lot of people will resent the characters that become more popular than they are. Where these people, these cast of characters, embrace it and they do good for other people in our real world. And yeah. that, to me, that means well, a lot. It also depend like like with Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. Like you know, he's obviously continuing to have career beyond just Wolverine. Um, but it'll be interesting as time goes by if, you know what, because it's right now we're talking about in the moment. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, we've talked a lot about uh, Avengers, uh, so I think it's time for us to disassemble, if you will. <laughs> Some disassembly required. Thank you. Yes, Thank indeed. you. Uh, of course, there's plenty more that we could have talked about, should have talked about, and so forth. But nonetheless, that's what the comment section is for. I imagine there will be a load of comments. I was going to say other things and then... But yes, the comments are there for you. Let us know. We'll we'll happily talk with you there. We got the conversation going. But the comment section is meant to continue things. In the meantime, you can also interact with us more directly uh, at ChristianDMZ for Christian. And if you haven't had enough Infinity War conversation, two episodes of my personal podcast, The Black Cast, are devoted to the Infinity War. You can find it at bladtcast.com. And second plug... Sundays at 10, Marvel TV Weekly, where we do talk about movies, and it's okay, because Marvel Movie News, they talk about TV, so everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at DMovies1701 yes. for Dimitri. Please, please support. Lots, uh, I, I, I hope some of you folks are uh, following me while I was at CinemaCon, because I got to see some really cool, fun things over there, including Tom Cruise. Including some great... I mean, I could do a whole show in CinemaCon. Cannot wait for Mission Impossible, Fallout. Uh, there's going to be a Halo jump scene that, that that could be one of the best action scenes we see. And, of course, I got to see the uh, the Halloween trailer. Oh, which that's is probably amazing. my favorite. It was introduced by Jamie Lee Curtis. And, Phil, if people that's want great. more of the unspoken sexual tension between you and I, they can <laughs> catch us on the South Park After Show over on AfterBuzz uh, Wednesdays at 10, right? That's nice. right. And we also do Silicon Valley. Oh, so yeah. A little nice. bit different, but nonetheless. And, of course, I'm at Phil Svitek. 
follow me there. Uh, be sure to also, uh, Marissa Serafini is our third normal co-host. She is not here with us today at Serafini TV for her. And even though ne- this weekend is a little bit lighter, we will be doing Tully, I believe, next week. And then we will be getting back into the swing of things. And certainly uh, Solo will be coming out soon, so we'll be talking about that. Lots. We have kicked off the summer in April. <laughs> in April, yeah. Oh, so. if I, if, if Phil, if I may, too. So I will not be here for, for Tully. I'll see the movie, but I, I won't be here. Uh, I can't say, unfortunately. I'm going to be... Uh, that, that, that is the luncheon. It is a place called home. We talked about this before. You allowed me to talk about this before. A place called home. Um, an organization which helps kids who have uh, not the best family life. Gives them, gives them a place and, and inspires these people. Uh, they're having a special luncheon uh, for Girl Power, which is all about having girls grow up uh, and feel good about themselves. And it helps them get into college. Uh, I've set up a scholarship foundation for my wife, uh, Brenda, who's part of, uh, she's mentioned in the dais. So I will be awarding that scholarship on Friday, May 11th, which uh, happens to be, uh, which would would have been Brenda's 48th birthday. So I'm very honored uh, to be there uh, uh, at the Scrowball Center for this luncheon. So uh, you can check out a place called Home. That's where I will be. I'll be thinking of you folks, but I will be uh, also giving, uh, you know, helping Brenda uh, will be helping some girls get along in their first year of school. So it was like a superhero, so. not Thanos. You're Panos. I'm pa- <laughs> <laughs> right. that, I like that. <laughs> that was all. Thank you guys. That was the best. Please Bye. do support. Check it out. Thank you guys as always. We'll see you next time on another Anatomy movie. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.